Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. It's been my desire to just visit with you a little bit about several men that had Jesus encounters. In fact, that's the tagline of our school. We are a discipleship school. We're a, an opportunity for you to come and journey with us, um, not to gain book smarts or some theological degree or our, our, our goal, our whole intention with Legacy School of Discipleship is to set you up for a Jesus encounter. So this is our tagline. We want to genuinely encounter Jesus. And in my experience, this is, this is really all that's needed. So who cares if you don't understand Ezekiel's temple? Who cares? Knowing the book of Ezekiel and the temple, understanding the end times is not going to change your life. So what if you have the book of Revelation figured out and have a master's in divinity? Like seriously, can you actually, can you actually say I am a master's in I have a master's of divinity. I got God figured out. That's what Job was all about. Job is an entire course in divinity. And in the end, they still did not have divinity figured out. So Legacy is not a school to prep you to be a pastor, a missionary, some evangelist. We don't prep you to be some kind of a theologian that has Revelation and Ezekiel figured out. Legacy is a discipleship journey to just encounter the Lord. In fact, in Iran, as we speak, they are doing exactly this. We showed our students a couple of months ago a documentary um, of the church, the underground church in the country of Iran. And it's quite interesting what I saw. I saw the documentary for the first time, and then the next night read an article on it. What they do there is they do not ask people to say a Jesus prayer, and now you're a part of the flock. What they rather do there is they begin a process with a person, and most of the, the folk that's doing the work is women, by the way, They begin a process with people, a journey with people, and they don't care if you confess Jesus just yet. They have Bible studies with people. They pray with people. They just journey with people towards this one agenda. In time, you're going to run smack dab into the Lord of the universe. You're going to have a Jesus encounter. And so in Iran, they are not so troubled that you join the club, that you confess a certain way. They just take care of the journey. Journey with us. Sooner or later, the goodness of God is going to lead you to repentance. You're going to run into God, and that encounter will change your life. And this is the way it happened for just about every person in the Bible. They were on a journey with God. And what stood out in their lives is that they were touched by God. They had an encounter with God. Beloved, 
It's not enough to just believe. We have to go beyond belief. What's beyond believing? We want to be touched by our Lord so that we limp. There's a mark of change on us. And that is what our school is about. That's what this weekend was about. And I, I dare say that is the heart's desire of your Father is to touch you. Not to just instruct you, but to encounter you. And like I said the other morning, to take His person and your person and fuse one into the other. So you cannot be separated. If you've not had a Jesus encounter in your life, get ready. But today, I want to wrap it up with a not-so-well-known figure. It's a Jewish man. It's a ruler of the synagogue, apparently. And he had a situation. He had a need. Uh, his daughter or his child was uh, sick. And um, he needed somebody to come and heal his daughter. So this is an easy one. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a need of healing. He needs the Lord to heal him. He needs healing. And then... As we are about to read the account, he actually receives healing. It's an easy one. God answers him by showing up and performing a, uh, a healing work. But beloved, something happens in this account that I want to draw your attention to this morning. And it is the perspective of Christ in this account. Because you're going to see we have Jairus' perspective, we have the townspeople's perspective, and then we have the perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the issue that he encountered. The Lord had healed many people at that time. Um, healing was just all over the place in the Lord's ministry. But in this particular account, I want to highlight for you Jesus' perspective versus the people's perspective. And the bottom line lesson that I want to bring to your attention today is God is going to encounter you to change your perspective of Him and of His ways and of His methods. Um, God does not just encounter you to give you goosebumps, to cause you to levitate. I guess those encounters are wonderful. But... If you have a proper Jesus encounter, you should have a different perspective of Him and consequently live a different life. That's what I'm after this morning. Do you see according to the self? Do you see according to the culture? Do you see according to, uh, you know, the opinion um, of the day? Do you see according to the natural man? Do you see according to just what you can control and script? In this account, Christ sees something that they don't see. And that's a different perspective. And so today I want to talk to you about God's perspective versus man's perspective. How do you see? And we're in Luke chapter 8. Are you there? Luke chapter 8. I want to start in verse 40. 
It says, Jesus was returning and the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, a man came whose name was Jairus, and this man was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet, and he entreated, he pleaded with the Lord to enter into his house. Because he had an only daughter. She was about 12 or so years old, and she was dying. And as he went, the crowds pressed against him. And now there's a little bit of an interlude of the woman who touched the Lord as he now journeys towards Jairus' house, a woman um, with an issue of blood touches him, virtue goes out of his garment, she is healed, and there is this little encounter with this woman. Pick it back up in verse 49. So while Jesus was still speaking to this woman, someone came from the house of this ruler of the synagogue, and said to him, your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, hearing it, answered him and said, don't be afraid, only believe. She will be healed. So there's the reality of death, and then there's the Lord's perspective. She's going to live. And he came to the house, and he did not allow anybody to enter with him except Peter and John and James, and the father of the child and the mother. Look at verse 52. And all were weeping and mourning for her. This was their reality. This was their experience. The little girl is dead. And so what do you do? You cry and you weep and you lament. But notice in verse 52, it says there, the Lord said to them, do not weep for she has not died, but she is asleep. And that's the point of the whole story here. They were not wrong for crying, lamenting, giving up on the healing uh, process of this rabbi coming to their house. This, this was their reality. This was their perspective and rightfully so. But here comes the Lord who sees outside of time who sees outside of our actual reality and our actual experience. And he does come across a little bit, you might say, loony. He's in denial. But I want to let you know here, the issue is the Lord has a different reality in which he lives. We call that reality the realm of the spirit the realm of the invisible, the realm of the eternal. And God Almighty acts from that perspective towards our realm. We do, of course, the same. 
We live in the visible, tangible time capsule realm. So we interpret God from our realm. When things are good in life, we say, God is good. When things are bad in my realm, uncontrollable and discombobulated, I say, God is on vacation. God has left me. That's the book of Job we talked about, by the way, yesterday. They interpreted God from their realm upwards. Then God shows up in chapter 38, and He interprets things from His perspective down. Beloved, we need an encounter with God where we have a top-down perspective, a top-down view. And that's the book of Revelation, by the way, I was going to wrap our time up with. I was going to really trouble you with the book of Revelation today. Because, listen carefully, I'm going to give you two lines on the book of Revelation and be done with it. Revelation is less a perspective as to how time is going to wrap up. Revelation is more a perspective of the realities of the unseen, invisible spiritual realm. And you'll notice every man that has ever uh, cut up the book of Revelation into a, uh, a sequence of events and attached time and cultures and empires to it, every single one that has used Revelation from the human perspective to predict the Lord's coming, every single person has been wrong thus far. When will we clue in Revelation is more than a domino effect of time, Revelation is a rapture into another realm. Yeah. God took John and raptured him, so to speak, opened up a curtain, which is what the word revelation or apocalypse, it means unveiling. You, you, you open up a curtain and you see into another realm. What we have done is we just squeeze God into our realm, into our culture, and this is what happened with Joshua. All these little messages somehow connect. Listen carefully. Joshua asks that angel, are you for us or for our enemy? And the angel said, no. I'm not for you or for them or for this or for that. I'm for my own purposes. I'm doing my own thing in a different realm altogether. So what is life all about? Life. It's not about squeezing God into my time capsule and then telling Him how to act, telling Him how to behave. Life is about learning to be raptured. I should not have used that word because I know what you're thinking. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> That's what you're thinking. For most of us, the rapture is sort of an escapism theory, an escapism hypothesis. Um, I don't want to get on a tangent with the rapture, but what I mean by rapture is we need to be caught up in, into God's perspective with a, with a renewed mind and see things from His perspective. The book of Revelation gives you little snippets, little windows, little suggestions, little plays, scenarios, if you will, that's outside of time. When you read Revelation, you're not sure, are we in the past? Are we in the future? Is it now? Like you cannot... Put Revelation into a time capsule because it's, 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 it's rapturing us. It's catching us up out of the time capsule. Can you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. My next Beyond Belief conference is going to be on the book of Revelation. And the featured primary character is not the Antichrist, you 
American Christian you. The, the primary character is the Lord Jesus Christ. What I want you to see here, they're all weeping and mourning. I, I look at our culture, and I want to get into politics. I don't want to get into all of the stuff that besets our little culture. It's pathetic. But we're weeping about this, and we're mourning, and we're judging this, and we're opinionating about that, and we're self-righteous about this, and we shoot this one down and exonerate this one. This is just our culture because we see in a one-dimensional way. Here comes Christ into the situation, and he says, actually... You're not seeing this thing correctly. This girl is only sleeping. And he contradicts their experience. My experience is death. This culture is going down in a, to hell in a handbasket. Things are just so bad. And the Lord's like, it's not as bad. God has a different perspective. But I want you to notice here, this is very intriguing. They laughed at him. And that's exactly what I do. When the Lord enlightens me and changes my mind and gives me a different perspective on things, what does the natural man do? He laughs at God. This is what Sarah did when the angel said to her, you will be with child. We all laugh at God. Why? Because it's not adding up. The dominoes are not adding up. <laughs> So, you know the story. Let's finish up the story here. They laughed scornfully at him, my Bible says. In verse 54, he took her by the hand and he said to her, Child, arise. And her spirit returned and she rose up instantly. And he directed that someone be given, uh, something be given to her for food to eat. And the parents were amazed. And they noticed this, verse 56. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. And I want to focus on that this morning. But um, in, in essence, the Lord told them, zip it. You're not going to tell people what just happened here. But okay, let's look at this issue of sight. This is the topic, the nail that I want to drive home with you this morning. How do you see, or maybe another question should be, can you actually see the invisible realm? So uh, I want to go through several passages and show you that it is actually God's desire for you to, to see things from His perspective. Um, God does not want you to exclusively see from your paradigm, your culture, your experience, your control. There's something else happening in a realm that's right here, although invisible. And if I can use an example before we go on. In this room, I often tell students, uh, there is country music playing. There is pop music playing. There is rock music. My music choice. Rock currently is playing. Soft rock. 
classic rock in this room right now. Can I ask you, who can hear it? Can you see it? You know, Garth Brooks is actually singing right now in this room. And Don't Stop Believing is actually playing in this room. Can I tell you, right now in this room, there is another reality. There are airwaves transmitting music into this room. But what you and I need is a receiver to dial into that frequency, to capture that invisible frequency and process it and spit it out as a Garth Brooks song. Can you hear what I'm saying? The same is true with the internet. In our room here is an invisible internet signal. Can you see the internet here? Can you see the YouTube videos? Can you see all that's on the web? No, but it's here. So you need a device to capture this invisible signal and process it into an image. Mm -hmm. Beloved, we live in a multidimensional realm. And men have figured out how to transmit things through air and through radio waves. I want to submit to you, it's the same with the spiritual realm. God is here. Angelic beings are here. Eternity is right here. But I cannot see it with my natural eye. I can't see it, hear it with my natural ear. I, I can't touch God. Those of you who want to sort of touch God, you're barking up the wrong tree. God is not a man that you can touch. He used to be at one time. But God is here as the life-giving spirit. God is invisible yet present. So what I need to do is use my inner man and faith, faith in my spirit, my spirit and faith, and partner with this invisible realm to touch God, see God, hear God. So there is a realm that's right here, but your natural eye, ear, hand is not going to access that realm. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants to take that realm and infuse it into me. It's less about me going to that realm. It's more about that realm being infused into me. So I want to show you several Bible passages that explains that we can actually see, perceive, touch, uh, discern, interact with another realm. We call it the realm of the Spirit, the realm that's above, the realm of the kingdom, the realm of eternity. And I want to start off first with a humorous account in the Old Testament. Balaam and his donkey are on a mission, and they're getting uh, 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 into a, uh, two walls uh, in, in the city, and um, the donkey stops because the donkey sees an angelic being. And Balaam, of course, hits him, and the donkey squeezes him against the wall, and eventually the donkey lays down on him. And eventually the donkey opens up his mouth and says, why are you hitting me? I've been your ass. I mean, I've been your, I've been your um, animal for a long time, and now you're beating me. But it says here in Numbers, you ought to read it. It's a funny account. The donkey saw the angel standing in the road with a drawn sword, and Balaam the prophet, who, the seer, you know, prophet actually means seer, one who can see. Uh, a prophet is kind of like your device that can tune into the voice of God, pull it down, and spit it out. But this prophet that speaks for God, so to speak, he can't even see the things of God. And yet a donkey, <clears throat> I want to tell you, you and I are of more worth than a donkey. If God allows a donkey to see into the other realm, how much more are you and I? Oh, you of little faith. Amen. Oh, 
Here's another uh, event. Um, there is Elisha, and they are standing at the battlefield, and um, Elisha's, Elisha's servant is just scared out of his brains and um, nervous as could be. And so Elijah prays to the Lord. Elisha prays to the Lord, and he says, Oh, Lord, please open the eyes of my servant so that he can see that standing on this battlefield is not just natural armies, but heavenly armies. And so the Lord opened up the eyes of the young man, and he, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. So they were living in a multi-dimensional realm of the actual war, the actual battle, the actual soldiers. But at the very same time, there are angelic beings covering the, the mountainside. There is a perspective from God that God is burdened for us to tap into. And that's an encounter we desperately need with God. Here is an event in the uh, New Testament. You may know this event well. It's referenced many, many times in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul, or shall I say Saul of Tarsus, the zealot, the persecutor, has an encounter with the living Christ. So he meets Jesus and the blazing sun just envelops him and he sees this light and in that situation, he becomes blinded. Uh, three days later, he is baptized and the scales come off of his eyes. I want to read it for you. Brother Saul, this is Ananias that is now uh, ministering to Saul there in Damascus. Ananias says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, he sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what happened is immediately something like scales fell from the eyes of Saul of Tarsus at that time. And he regained his sight and he was baptized. But beloved, ever since that encounter, the Apostle Paul was able to see the things of God more clearly than just about anybody else in the entire New Testament. If you go through the writings of the apostle, you can, you can genuinely see that this man saw from God's perspective. You know, the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they give us an eyewitness account of Christ. They give us the biography of an actual visible man. They would even say, we touched him, we saw him, we heard him, we handled the word of life. Paul does not give us a visible account. There is no account of Christ's humanity in, in Paul's letters. Paul exclusively gives the perspective from heaven to earth. He, it's as though people saw the outside and Paul saw the x-ray vision. You know, you go to the doctor and they put this thing over you. Everybody leaves the room. They leave you there. <laughs> you wonder, why did they just leave this room? Is this safe? But what happens is it takes an x-ray shot. It looks into the person. I want to tell you, that was the Apostle Paul. He, he, his, his natural way of seeing came 
like scales off of his eyes and he was able to see into the deep things of God. And of course, the Apostle Paul would constantly speak about how we can even have the eyes of our understanding enlightened so that we can see. Paul is the one who said, do not look at the things that are seen. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't look at the things that are seen. In contrast, look to the things which are unseen. Beloved, if you want to have a vibrant walk with God, you're going to have to learn to see outside of time into another realm. Otherwise, you won't have hope in God. You won't have faith in God. What is faith, by the way? Faith is to see into the other realm and then to act here according to that truth. Faith is not just for God to give me a Ferrari. Faith is to touch God's truth and bring it into my reality and then live by that truth. So, beloved, Paul says the things that are seen are transient. You know, everything we make big about today is here today and gone tomorrow. It's transient. I I love this particular translation. It's fleeting. It's going to come to an end. But the things that are unseen has an eternal capacity to it. This is a man who initially persecuted the Christians because he saw in a one-dimensional way. But now the scales came off. And like the donkey, he could see. Oh boy, how thankful we are for the letters of the apostle that teaches us so much of God's perspective, the eternal perspective. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus had something to say about this. On several occasions, I just want to highlight one verse for you from Matthew 13. Why do we not see? Why do we not hear? This is the Lord's interpretation. He says, as he quotes Isaiah the prophet, he says, Our heart has grown dull. Our heart has grown dull. Paul would say the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In 2 Corinthians... Chapter 3, Paul would say, when the heart turns to the Lord, instead of being dull and hardened, when the heart turns to the Lord, the veil that obscures sight is taken away. So here's the key today. How do you and I see? How do we perceive? How do we get revelation, knowledge, understanding from God's perspective? It's got everything to do with your heart. Here the Lord would say, their heart is dull. In the book of Hebrews chapter 5, it would say, their heart has become uh, uh, hardened, heavy, dull, and their ears heavy. That's why they can't understand the things of God. So the Lord says, your heart is dull. With their ears, they don't want to hear. That's why constantly the Lord would say, to him who has eyes to see, let him see. To him who has ears to hear, let him here, because basically we just we don't want to see God's perspective. I'm too comfortable with mine. But they can barely hear their eyes. They shut them down so they can't see. Because if they were to open up their eyes and actually see God's truth, open up their ears and actually hear God's truth, 
they would turn, they would repent, and God would heal them. Her heart plays an enormous role in vision being shut down or vision being opened up. That's why the Bible says, love the Lord with all of your... It's good for your eyes. Ephesians chapter 1, you know this. One of the prayers of Paul, it is so good. In verse uh, 17 of chapter 1, he says that the uh, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. You know, most of us want revelation as to where to invest our money. I want revelation as to who is my husband, who is my spouse. I want revelation as to what school should I go to, what job should I... And I believe God wants to give you revelation and answers and speak to you about those things. But Paul doesn't pray for those things. He says, I rather pray that God would give you insight, an unveiling, understanding, so that you can know Christ. Know God. This is what the Lord said in John 17, verse 3. This is eternal life that you would know God. This is what it's all about. That you would really see into another realm and touch this magnificent person. That you would know God and know His Christ. Philippians 3 verse 10. This is my ultimate purpose in life, Paul says, is to know Christ. And he prays that we would see, understand, be unveiled to know Him. know everything about the Antichrist, the government, politics, conspiracy. They know everything. I'm amazed how, how wise in worldly matters Christians have become. Do we know Him? Because I tell you, if we know Him, we will cry with those who cry. We will love with no strings attached. Because to know Him is to be infused with Him and then to take on His character. I ask you, when people look at you and I, do they see Christ or do they just see some polarizing political, denominational figure with opinions but no vision? I pray that your eyes would be enlightened, that you would see, he says here, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of His calling to which He has called you. This hope of His calling to which He has called you is to become one with Him. And yet we as Christians, we want to figure out the times and figure out who's evil and who's the Antichrist. And, and we forget that the whole goal of human living is to become one with our Lord. And Paul prays that we have such a vision that what are the richest of His glorious inheritance in the saints. That we'd experience Christ in us. And so, in the words of Shakespeare, if I may, our culture is much ado about nothing. Thank you, William. 
In Matthew 13, the Lord says to the disciples, Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. Because not many people saw really what Christ was about, nor did they really hear what He had to say. According to Jesus, if we do see, we are blessed. Do you know how many Christians feel like they are not blessed of God? It's because you don't see. But if you see things from His perspective, how rich He is in you, how much you've been endowed with His grace and His mercy and His character and His life, how rich He is with every spiritual blessing in you, you just, you're blessed. I may not have a collar, but I'm blessed. I may not have my ducks in a row, but I'm blessed. But I'm not in denial. Life is tough. Life is tough. Things are dead, and, and I do mourn over certain things. I'm not in denial about the human reality. But here's the tension. Will I believe the report exclusively of the human reality, or will I dare by faith and by sight to touch another realm and dare to believe and live according to that report? Beloved, here's a key verse that I want to highlight something for you in. This is the verse where Jesus speaks to Nicodemus that you must be born again. And of course, we capitalize on the phrase born again. In fact, that word uh, born again, that word again is not in the original. That word should rather be born from above. That's the original Greek word. We, we say born again because it's just good English. But the actual Greek, if you come to the school, you'll understand. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you have to have a birth from another dimension. You must be born from another realm. And then he indicates the realm. The realm is from above, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, it's above. He lifted up his eyes to the heavens. It's above. But it's also here. But the, the idea here is, it's not just a location there versus here, up versus down. The realm is, is, is outside of time and space. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you have to be born from, a, from another dimension. But then notice the consequence of being born from another dimension. He says, then and only then will you be able to see the kingdom of God. If you are not born from above, then you will not see the kingdom of God. I submit to you that many of us may be confessors of Christ. Like a parrot, Jesus is Lord. We can, like a parrot, say, by way of culture, by way of repetition, Jesus is the Lord. Polly, want a cracker. <laughs> we can do that. But beloved, so many of us, we confess the right thing, but we are running like the, the, the Israelis, the, the Hebrews there in the desert. We're not sure which direction to go. We're confused out of our mind. Why? Because we do not really see. Because our birth was from mommy and daddy. Our birth was from the, the, the culture, the church, the denomination, uh, the movement, the man, the message, the book. If your birth is from a man or a movement, it's going to be transient. But if your birth is from above, it's going to be eternal. And here's the truth. If you are born from above, you should be able to see the things of God. Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. 
a few more verses. Here's God's perspective. There's a passage that's so beautiful in 1 Samuel. I think you know it. It's the time that Samuel the prophet went to anoint this new king. The seven sons of Jesse, well, there were six, and the seventh was out there in the field. And uh, here comes this ruddy, ruggedy-looking little boy. And God speaks to Samuel the prophet and says, Samuel, don't look at this man's appearance. Don't look to his appearance. Don't look at the extremities. Don't regard his height or his stature. Because I have rejected him. Um, This is talking about the brothers. But here's the verse I want you to notice, the phrase. The Lord does not see as man sees. Amen. See, God's perspective is different. And you know this uh, from Isaiah chapter 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher, this realm is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts different. It's other. It's contradictory to your thoughts. Yesterday we read about how the flesh wars against the spirit because they are in contradiction with one another. Beloved, when Jesus showed up in Jairus' life, he had a different perspective. And the response from the people was to laugh at him. But of course he had the last laugh. He said to the folk, hold my Bible, watch this. (laughs) And she became alive, right? My message today is simple. I'm wrapping it up now. Without vision, it's not going to go well for you on planet Earth. You're probably going to stumble. You're probably going to derail. Your confusion is going to lead you down a path you know is going to lead to destruction. Because the Bible is very clear, without vision we perish. If, if we cannot see from God's perspective, there's a way that seems right to a man, and it's going to lead us straight down the path to death. Amen? Who knows what I'm talking about? When in self-righteousness and in self-seeing and in self-opinion, I've scripted life a certain way, then I go down that trail. Oh, glory. What happened to me? I did not have the vision of God, the, the perspective of God, the... And you know this verse from Proverbs chapter 29. I want to quote it for you from the Message Bible that I think encapsulates it so well. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. How good is that? If we cannot see what God is doing, we stumble all over ourselves. But when we attend to what He reveals, we are most blessed. I do believe God is in the show-and-tell business. He's not some magician that just does little tricks and leaves us in a, in, in a funk, in a stupor, in a, in, a, in a mystical maze. I do believe God is plain Jane. 
And I, I, I want to bring your attention back to the book of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God was very just straightforward. Adam, don't eat this tree. Let's stick with life. God's very clear. He, he does not play games with us. He's not excessively mystical. God wants to communicate. He wants to speak. Even the very first thing that he spoke is, let there be. I, I want everybody to see. I'm in the seeing business. Amen. But uh, if you and I refuse to live by what the Lord shows us, number one, in his word, and then of course in my spirit, and then through the body of Christ, if we refuse to live by the Lord's unveiling, His perspective, then, beloved, we are going to hurt people. We're going to hurt ourselves. You're going to make a mess of your life. Without a renewed mind, unless I renew my mind according to the knowledge of God, the vision of God, the perspective of God, without a renewed mind... I'm going to struggle to know God's will. I'm going to struggle to know God's way. I'm going to struggle to know what God is up to. And then I'm going to be, I'm just going to miss it. So we have to be taught in the Word of God. And that's why Legacy School of Discipleship exists, if I could put a plug for our little school. I'm amazed at the folk who come here who actually have no understanding of the economy of God. Yet, they went to church one week after they were born and have been in church ever since. I, I, I'm amazed at how many of us read the Bible, yet we do not see. We, we don't really understand what is God's grand eternal economy. Actually, in the whole scope of it all, what is He up to? So our mind is not renewed to that train of thought, that perspective, that economy. And so no wonder we're confused down here. We stab and we hurt and we stumble and we fall. I'm constantly asking, what's the Lord's will? I just don't know what God wants from me. I just, I'm lost. No, you need to get born again. <laughs> you need to be born from above. I had a wonderful privilege of um, participating in an above birth with someone this uh, summer, we had a particular person come here that could not see God or the things of God. And this person was very honest about it. And I tell you, honesty is half the battle won. She was just raw, uh, raw and real and honest. And we began to walk a journey with her without being pushy or overbearing. We just, we trust God's timing. And we began a birthing process with this particular person, y'all. Um, in time, many of you will give birth, Lord willing. It's a process. There's labor pains and contraction, and it's, it's a process. And I watched this particular person go through this, and I knew she was being born from above. Her flesh is kicking against God, resisting, fighting. The opinion prevails. My will prevails. And we, as a, as a staff, we're just like, oh, Jesus, keep doing your thing. Keep the, and she was in the birth canal. <laughs> and in time, she was actually born from above. 
I uh, was a part of this experience with her. We didn't just have her say a prayer. I now betrayed her identity. Sorry, she's a she. This particular person. We didn't do the Christian thing. Just say this little prayer so you get your ticket to heaven. That's it. We don't do that here. My parrot does that. And the last time I checked, you're not a parrot. You're a living soul. And this whole thing of connecting with God starts with a birth. Instantly, this person's demeanor, perspective, just radically changed in a moment. That happened to me in 1993. I hope some of you can say, on such and such a day, such and such a night, in such and such a place, I squeezed through the birth canal and I was born into another realm. I'm a citizen of another realm. I hope you have a day, a moment, an hour that you can look back upon. And if you have such an above birth, I tell you, um, you'll begin to know the will of God. Because God will minister through that channel of above into you. Revelation and knowledge and understanding and sight. And you'll begin to see things from God's perspective and you'll begin to cooperate with God. And this makes life so much fun. It is just fun to at times hear God, discern God, at times see the Lord's hand moving and you're like, okay, I'm invited into it. It is fun. You ought to try it sometime. Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world and the vision of this world. The perspective and the opinions and the, the fights and the wars. All the wars and rumors of wars is currently going on only among the Christians. Not the pagans. This whole rumor of war thingy that you guys fixate on for the end times, it's only Christians that do all that nonsense right now. Pardon the French. I guess I need to stop the recorder. Don't participate in the wars and rumors of wars. I dare you to live like Christ in this day and age. But then again, you won't. Unless from above you are baptized in His character. So I challenge all of y'all, open up your heart. Let the Lord fill us. So we are Jesus in this hour. Come on. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And as your mind latches on to God's mind and God's wisdom and God's seeing and God's perspective, then you'll be able to see, oh, this is God's will. Wow. This is God's way. And you'll be able to participate in it and you'll prove it. Wow, this was God. If you cannot see, you cannot participate and you're still unsure. Was this God? Was this not? I get this question all day long from Christians. Is this God or is this me or is this the devil? How do I know? Your mind is not renewed. So legacy serves then as a school, your church, many books, Christian books. They, they serve to renew your mind. Stop just reading pop psychology and get into the scriptural revelation. Get into a book in the Bible. Get into a concept and, and dig in and let it affect your mind. You'll be readily joining with God's will and you'll be able to say, wow, this was God's will. You can do that through experience then. Here's my last question. Whose report will you believe? 
Whose report will you believe? This was from Isaiah chapter 53. Just a line from Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 then, of course, speaks of the suffering servant, how he bore our sicknesses and diseases. By his wounds and by his stripes we are healed. But it starts off that whole, um, what we call a messianic passion prophecy. It starts off with this one line, whose report will you believe? Whose report will we believe? Well, it, it depends on what do you see. So, beloved, do you see the Lord in these days? Do you spend time with the Lord? Do you fast a little bit and lock yourself up in your room to just behold the Lord? Or do you behold the culture and the day and the time? Because as a man sees, so he is. So he walks. So he then judges and Go to the Old Testament, go to Judges 21, and I have it on the screen here also. The book of Judges is, uh, is an awful book in the Bible. It's just a disaster from start to finish. And here this last sentence in the book of Judges actually explains why it is such a dismal, horrific 400 years in the history of the Jewish people. The book of Judges is all over the place. Hardly a day goes by when they don't backslide and get back into idolatry and rabbit trails here. And the very last chapter reveals why that was. It says, in those days, uh, there was no king in this nation, no, no uh, ruler of sorts. And here it is, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It was like the church in Laodicea, Laodicea, like we spoke about yesterday. They thought they could see, but the Lord said, no, buy from me proper ointment so that your eyes can be opened so that you can see. So in the Old Testament, in, in, in a way, particularly here in Judges, that we just do what is right in our own eyes. We're conformed to the culture of this world. I, I dare say this sentence summarizes the fall of Adam and Eve. Listen carefully. They took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because it was right in their own eyes. Yeah? Have you ever noticed the disciples around Jesus that... that ask him certain questions and stuff. For instance, uh, James and John that call down fire on the Samaritans. Why did they want fire to destroy the Samaritans? Because they did what was right in their own eyes. And the Lord would say to them, you're of the wrong spirit here, James and John. Think of the religious people in Jesus' day. Why did they crucify Christ? Because they did what was right in their own eyes. Think of the Corinthians. Think of the Galatians. They did what was right in their own eyes. Think of church history. We do what is right in our own. This sentence sums up all humanity, by the way. It sums up the whole Bible, not just judges. But does it sum up my life? The end of your life is God going to say, yep, 
Francois just did what was right in his own eyes. Or might the Lord say, yeah, that man came and saw from my perspective. He opened up his heart. I unveiled him. I caused him to see from a different perspective. Beloved, I pray that you have an encounter like Saul of Tarsus. You knocked off your donkey. And I pray we become blind to the things of this world and seeing to the things of God's world. I pray that you have a Jesus encounter that has to do with revelation. And like John, that was going to be our last message, John was just caught up and, and saw in another dimension. I pray that the Lord would just rapture us, catch you up, unveil you, so that we begin to see from a different perspective and just don't live the same old, same old life doing what is right in our own eyes. Amen.